Render Nation, welcome back to another Ridge Runners Live episode. We are on episode number 36. Tonight's guest was Melissa Sermon. She is a Cincinnati-based runner who took first place female at the Mohican 100-mile trail run over the past weekend. Come hang out with us as we sit down and learn all about her experience at the Mohican 100 this year. Yo, what is crack-a-lackin' Ridge Runner Nation? I don't know about you guys, but our new intro makes you want to run through a wall. And honestly, there could have been about 50 walls out on the course at the Mohican 100 this past weekend, and it would have not slowed down tonight's guest. She won the Mohican 100 miler by three and a half hours. Earlier this year, she took second at the Canal Corridor 100 miler. She's officially in the hunt for our Ohio's Ultra Runner of the Year award. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Melissa Sermon, how's it going? Hi, I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Doing really well. We're super excited to kind of learn about your race this past weekend, obviously at the Mohican race. Obviously, the course is a little different. I'm super excited to kind of dive into that. Before mm-hmm. we get started with the deep dive of the race, uh, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking San Pellegrino with a splash of lime. I love it. I love it. Uh, For those of you that don't know, my name is Wesley Harden, and holding down the fort with me tonight is the newly engaged JD3, John Dolovaki III. How's it going, and what are you drinking? Pretty good. Newly engaged. I mean, that's almost a couple weeks now. I guess it's still new. Thanks. It's it's my first show with you in a couple weeks, so uh, I guess it's true. Definitely drop that one out there. Yeah. So. I was out this evening and picked up a BrewDog holiday pack, and so it came with six mystery beers. And one of my mystery beers this evening was the BrewDog Nitro Jet Black Heart, which is a vanilla oatmeal milk stout. And so this is what I'm drinking tonight. It's pretty delicious. Well, you, Wesley, I saw, I think I saw a standard can from you. Yeah, it's really disappointing. I just like was traveling back to Charlotte today. So just the Miller Light, just what was in the fridge and the time to run out today. But uh, going to dive into that in a little bit. Uh, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have a Strava Club as well. And our handle is at Ridge Runners on all platforms. Uh, Melissa, you just won one of the oldest 100 milers in the country. The Mohican 100 started in the year 1994. For those of you that you do not know, before we dive into the race, though, I want to learn about like what it takes to actually become a champion. I bet there's a lot of hours that kind of uh, that you put in running before the race, per se. <laughs> Take me yeah. back to how you first found running itself. Well, I ran track in high school and uh, for three years, and I ran cross country my senior year. But since then, I have not really been into running. I had five kids and was really busy doing that and just ran three miles here and there on the treadmill just to kind of, um, you know, decompress with having so many kids. <laughs> and so in 2017, when my youngest was about to turn four, I started running just about every day, just getting out of the house and running four or five miles and really started loving it and met my friend Sally, who ended up pacing me at my weekend, and she talked me into running the flying pig. So. I ran the Flying Pig Marathon in 2018, and I was just obsessed with running by that point. So about a year ago, um, I learned what an ultra was. I still had never heard of an ultra, and I read that book, Born to Run. And so that was how I learned about ultra running and trail running. And I just decided I didn't want to be locked into any specific type of running, that I just want to run any kind of race, any kind of terrain, any kind of speed. And so I'm just trying things right now. I don't really know what my niche really is, but this past year with COVID, um, I think with the shutdown and everything, it kind of caused me to go crazy on my running. And I ended up running 800 miles in the month of May. And I've run 4,300 miles this year so far. So I went really nuts with mileage um so that's why i'm i'm happy to take this recovery time but i truly feel that that's what helped me prepare for mohican and for canal corridor i was training for boston earlier in the year and then of course that got canceled so i was thinking i was going to do this other marathon in july so i was doing all this speed work and track work and 
then that canceled. And then Hugh Patton reached out to me about Canal. And I'm like, well, I have all these miles under my legs. I might as well try it and see what happens. And I knew I wanted to do a 100 miler at some point. So, and I was just happy to run a race. So I hadn't run a race the entire year. So uh, that was my first 100 miler. And uh, so now I'm just trying to do what I can. I was registered for Mohican already. Back in June, I had registered for it. So I had already planned to do Mohican before I planned to do yeah, you so that's kind of how I got into it. It wasn't by choice, really. It was kind of like, well, I'm I'm trying to run a marathon. I just want to run 26 miles. That's really it. But it just turned into ultra running for me. Yeah, that's so unique, especially uh, you deserve <laughs> a little bit of a break as well with 4,300 miles uh, under your legs this yeah. year. I think John, Cam, and myself, <laughs> if we added all of our miles together and then doubled it or tripled it, we'd finally reach uh, 4,300 together. But that's just an awesome accomplishment in itself <laughs> outside of the races alone. Um, I kind of want to hear about your initial impressions, though, with ultra running. So obviously you said you kind of stumbled upon it. You ran the Rough Trail 50K in Kentucky in early in October 2019 you took ninth there and then in December you ran the Falls 50 miler also in Kentucky and took first place there fourth overall so kind of like what was those early ultra experiences like for you and kind of how did they help set the base for Canal and Mohican <laughs> well I went into it completely blindly because I didn't realize that there was such a variance in how hard the race could be and I accidentally picked two of the hardest trail races that you could pick. So rough trail 50 K is only about 30% runnable. <laughs> so I got so frustrated in that race because I had to hike so much and there were so many stairs and, um, I felt so, so slow and, but I feel like that race perfectly set me up for falls, which I also was a very difficult trail race but I didn't know it at the time. I just blindly said, Oh, I want to run a race in December. Let me just sign up for fall. That race was really, really hard. And I think my first struggles were mostly fueling because I'm used to, you know, you run a marathon. I don't fuel for a half marathon at all. And for a marathon, I take maybe three gels and I don't really fuel at all for a marathon very much. So I was trying that same approach and it wasn't working. <laughs> on ultra running. So I lost my stomach and got really ill at the end of the race and afterwards and just all kinds of horrible things happened to me physically, but I, I finished. So I've been trying to learn more about proper fueling and things like that. So that was, that was just my first initial battles that I had to face, but I'm getting better at it. Um, Cause I'm realizing that there's a huge difference in, how you approach those things with ultra running versus road running. Oh. Um, so yes. And those two races made Mohican seem easy. No offense, but I was, I heard people complaining, no switchbacks and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, this isn't that bad. I mean, compared to falls, it wasn't that bad. It was just longer. So it was just like doing false ways. <laughs> yeah 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 that, the terrain is always kind of different obviously at different races and whatnot yeah kind of interesting to hear people's like uh like just opinions on how much vert is vert and like all the stuff that kind of goes into that yeah and i run a lot of vert but i do it all on the road so i live in cincinnati and we have mount adams which we have hills that are like straight up so i run those a lot i'll get three thousand feet of vert and um 13 mile run sometimes just on the road. So I love hills. I don't, so I'm used to hills. So that doesn't really bother me that much. But I'm glad I ran those hard trail races initially because I think if I had run easier ultras first, that I would have been, um, I would have had a much more difficult time at Canal and at Mercy on my first 100 milers. So. 
Definitely. And I think you kind of did like did that even earlier this April at the Vernal Equinox 12-hour race where you took first overall running 72 miles. You kind of got to open the legs up, I would assume, a little bit more at that race. Yeah, and that was the awesome. Vert for the first time uh, in an ultra for uh-huh. you. So kind of like, well, how did that kind of just compare to the previous two races and kind of going the other two races as well? I loved it. I absolutely loved that 12-hour race. I was just running in circles. I had a little two mile loop that I found at auto arm leader park and it was a flat two mile loop with a bathroom. And I just parked my car and had my little cooler and I was alone all day. And I just had the best time. (laughs) I I just ran in circles all day and it was flat. And, um, I, I think that I'm well suited to that type of I don't mind being alone. I don't mind running alone. And I, I don't mind running in circles. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> Had That's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, before we dive into your Mohican full experiences and everything that kind of happened at that race, we just want to remind Road Turner Nation that if you have any questions for Melissa, drop those in the chat below and we will make sure to get to those as well. Um, I want to hear all about Mohican. So kind of take me okay. leading up to Mohican and kind of just like the starting line and kind of like all the stuff that kind of happened early on in the race for you, just everything and all the stuff. Well, um, sorry, I was really nervous about the race because starting in the middle of July, I started having some pretty serious IT issues where I could only run about three miles at a time. And then my whole side of my leg would just go out and my, it would just be excruciating pain. And I decided rather than not running that I would run through it. And so every day it was a mystery of how far am I going to make it today before my leg goes out. So. I, I would run three miles, maybe, maybe make it four, maybe make it 10, but I never knew how long my run would be. And so it wasn't until the middle of September that I went out one day and I thought if I can make it 26 miles without my leg going out, then number one, I'm going to count it as the Boston virtual marathon. And number two, I'm going to run Mohican. So that was my deciding factor. So I went out that day and I made it that's 26.2 miles. So I said, I guess I can run Mohican because I made it that far. And my leg never went out again after that. And then I started having some other just weird stomach pains and things going on. So I was really nervous about doing Mohican. I, I didn't know if I would be able to finish. So the whole week leading up to the race, I was a mess, just emotionally worried about it and anxiety. And even on the way there, I was crying. <laughs> To my husband, I was like, I can't do this. I can't run 100 miles tomorrow. The longest I've run is 26 miles since July. And I didn't know how I would do it. I really felt like I needed a 40-mile training run. Um, And I didn't get that. And so I was super nervous. So I, But you know how it is. Once the race starts and you start running, everything, all the worries just go away. So as soon as I was able to finally start, it was like, okay. I feel better. This is just running. It's just running. That's all it is. I'm just going out for a really long run. And just like I always do. And I felt pretty good. And then I would say maybe at the marathon point, maybe 26, 28 miles in, I started aching real bad in my legs. And I thought, what the heck is this? What am I going to do? Because this is already happening. There's no way I'm going to make it this whole race. And so I guess about 29 miles, we had a crew stop and I stopped there and I took some Tylenol at the crew stop. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. I drank some body armor because the body armor helps me a lot. And I just decided I wasn't going to quit no matter what. So all day long, I battled that achiness in my legs, but I just kept taking Tylenol. (laughs) I just kept drinking body armor and I somehow just was able to ignore it, but I think it's a mental decision you just have to make and you have to mentally remove yourself from your body. It's like an out of body experience almost. When you get to that, I would say past the 40 mile mark, it becomes way less physical. You're literally outside of yourself and you're just, your body's just going, but your mind is what's really 
controlling you. It's really bizarre. But so that was how the early part of the race was. Um, I liked, I actually liked the fact that there were roads mixed in with the trail because it gave me a chance to speed up a little bit and to kind of get my bearings because I do love running on trails, but I, it's so much concentration to run on trails. You have to constantly be watching your steps so you don't fall. So it was nice to get that break on the roads and not have to really look down at all and just run, you know? So that was nice. And I really loved that 10 mile bike trail stretch from 30 to 40. It was paved and flat. And I was like, this is really nice. I just really stretched out there. I was running in the eights. Um, low eights trying to get to Glenmont. <laughs> so that was fun. And then um, that first trail loop, I just, that was when I started hiking the hills was once we got to Glenmont and started that first 21 mile loop. Every time I'd come to a hill, I would just hike it. I'm like, I got to save my legs a little bit. Um, but the trail there was very well marked. I was very pleased. I never felt like I was going to get lost. They had good reflective ribbon. So I felt very secure, uh, even being alone most of the time. And then I just kept thinking, okay, once I make it to the halfway point, then I know I got this in the bag. And everyone kept telling me the whole morning, oh, you're in first place, you're ahead, whatever. But I didn't even care about that. I, my main objective, I just wanted to finish. That was my main goal. And I was everything else was secondary to me. So I just knew if I could make it to the halfway point that I would be 100%, no chance of DNF. I just knew. So I get back, I get through that first loop and get back and it's mile 61. And my friend Sally was there waiting on me. And it was just so great. She was so happy and just like ready to go. And she had this cute outfit on that was glow in the dark and she just looked awesome. And I'm like, yes, this is just what I need, this mental boost. So we take off and then she paced me and I was so thankful to have her at the end because it got dark of course, and there were coyotes. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else talked about that, but there were coyotes all around. And uh, so it was just a fun adventure. And of course, uh, in the middle of the night, maybe around mile 80 or so. I don't know. It's, no, it wasn't mile 80. It was after that. Um, I started hallucinating a little bit. And uh, I, I pointed up ahead. I'm like, Sally, do you see that guy leaning against that truck over there? And she's like, Missy, you are freaking me out. And then, <laughs> and then I saw a group of Amish people standing on the road, but they weren't really there. Um, but I never had the thought like these, this is, I never felt frustrated with the terrain really. I just felt, I don't know. I can't explain it. I, I felt like I was just going to finish and it was just a job I had to do. And okay, I have this many miles left and I'm just going to go and, and click um, away and, Every step you take is one step closer to the finish. And I don't know what else you want to hear about, but the end of the race, um, at mile 93, I, I got to the mile 93 aid station with Sally and Hugh Patton was there. And he said, Melissa, we have your drop bag here for you. It's right up front. And I thought, and I asked him, I said, what's the rest of this race like? And he said, well, it's mostly Jeep road flat. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm going to put my road shoes on. So I had worn my trail shoes all day, which by the way, were brand new. I had never worn them before. They say, don't do anything new on race day. I broke every ultra running rule. I did everything new. I tried new food. I tried new shoes. I did it all. So I broke all the rules and it worked out. So don't be afraid to try something new on race day. So anyway, <laughs> I, I changed into my fast shoes, but it was not black. That. there were some huge hills and I'm like Sally this is not but so finally at mile 95 I said I was getting frustrated at that point because I just wanted to go and get there and I said all right Sally I'm selling out now are you ready 
we're going to sell out. And so we started, it felt like we were sprinting, but I looked at my watch and it was like nine fifties or something, but it felt like we were running five minute miles, you know, because you're, when your legs are so tired. So we just took off and, and, um, we saw this guy up ahead and I, I hate to admit this, but I said, Sally, let's take his soul. And so (laughs) she's like, okay. And so she starts running. Well, then my legs are just dying. I stopped and walked for a second and like regrouped. And then I'm like, okay, let's go. So it was a hill. We go up this hill. We passed him going up the hill, took his soul, left him in the dust. And then my watch clicks a hundred, no finish line. It's pitch black. Um, and then we were starting to wonder if we had gone the wrong way, of course. And then I guess, I don't know, I guess with the Garmin maybe being a little off, it ended up being 102.79 miles before we finished. So I'm like cursing under my breath and like, when is this going to be over? You know, but I loved having that finish and just deciding I wanted to finish strong. And so I made that decision. I didn't want to be limping it in or walking it in. I didn't care how bad it hurt. I was going to run that thing. Go as fast, what I felt like was sprinting it in, which was probably like a very slow jog, but <laughs> it felt like sprinting. So, but that was a little bit more than the beginning of the race, but I didn't know if there was anything else specific you wanted to know. Yeah, no, that was an awesome deep dive. It's always kind of awesome to kind of hear uh, the whole race and kind of just like everything that kind of culminates throughout the day that you kind of face there. I've got two quick things, uh, kind yeah. of a two-part question here. Uh, what percentage of the course do you think was road versus trail this year? And then also um, kind of like what was when you took the lead early on, did you kind of like ever think about like, oh, this person's eight minutes back? Or did you kind of just like love just – making the gap just insurmountable for anyone to catch you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. I would say it was at least 50, 50 road trail. Um, If you count those gravel roads, which I do, I count that as road. Um, So I would say at least 50, 50. I felt like there was a lot more road in the beginning, the first 40 miles. I know there was about a seven mile stretch at the beginning. That was all road. And then we had a few miles of trail and then it would be a few more miles of road, but it felt pretty even. I didn't feel like it was too much one or the other. Um, so of course that 40 to 80 mile stretch is all trail, but the rest of it was kind of a mixture. So, but no, honestly, I think at first I felt some people right, right on my shoulder um, the first maybe 13 miles and I felt like there were people hovering and I hate that feeling like at one point I even stopped and looked at somebody and I said you want to go around me because I just don't like people to be on me you know I want to be like I want my personal space when I'm running <laughs> so uh that's one <laughs> anyway so that's um but after that first aid station or may, I guess it was the second aid station at mile 13 and a half. After that, I never had that feeling again. I I took off and then I felt like no one was back there. And then I, I know every time I would get to the next aid station, the lead that I had was getting bigger. But I I hated to hear that because I know that things can change at any moment because they changed for me at Canal many times. And I don't really put any stock into anything that happens in an ultra before mile 80. But once I hit mile 83, um, that last aid, that last cruise stop, I was so exhausted. I was opening a pack of run gum and I fell asleep mid tear. And, (laughs) and Sally's like, Missy, you have plenty of time. You're way ahead. You can take a nap here if you want. And I'm just, not the type of person to do that. But I thought, you know, really my goal is to finish and I'm going to finish. So I'm going to close my eyes. So I took a a 10 minute nap and I changed my clothes twice. I did all kinds of stuff. I was really pampering myself, but it helped me, I think in the long run, because I didn't chafe. I didn't have any issues like that. And then um, 
I was able to finish strong. So I think maybe the 10 minute nap revived me a little bit, but so they were just, you know, telling me you have such a big lead. You can afford to take an acid. Um, but I just, I wasn't really thinking about that. I just wanted to finish. It was a great bonus to win. I never expected to win. Now I'm going to be honest. I am kind of, I'm very competitive. I'm not going to lie. So I looked up every single woman that was registered for the race. I'm not going to lie. I looked up everything and I knew I could get top three based on what I saw, but I never expected to get first ever. And I know that top three is only, you know, if everything goes perfect is what I thought. If everything goes perfect, I have a chance at top three, but I was not there to get the win. So um, I just think it kind of depends on the kind of day the competition is having as well. You know, I had a really good race. I felt like everything went as perfect as it possibly could. And I know that some of the other ladies that were predicted to finish in top five, I know that they had some troubles. And sometimes that just happens and you can't really do anything about it. So it kind of just depends on what's going on that day with everyone. So of all the new things, <laughs> I feel very fortunate. Yeah, I, I would think I would imagine so. It's to win would be probably pretty awesome, especially like when you weren't expecting it. Now, um, I forgot what I was going to say. I totally lost my train of thought, but we'll jump over to the chat. There's a couple of chat questions over here. Um, first, a couple of comments in the chat from <laughs> Harry said, this is my daughter and she's a beast. And I think we would all agree with that. Uh, <laughs> S. Grunk. Hi, Dad, I love you. <laughs> S. Grunk is the username here. I'm and says, oh, that's Sally. Sally, she says, hi, Missy. And she says, do you prefer the longer distances in the heat, like a canal, or the cold, like Mohican? Well, I wouldn't consider Mohican that cold. I'm so thankful, though, that I had the hotties in my hands and my gloves. But it wasn't uncomfortably cold as long as you were running. Now, I had a, um, I had a shivering spell at mile 80 and then I had a hot flash <laughs> a few miles later. So I went from shivering to stripping my clothes off um, a few miles later, stripping jackets off and things. But I don't know. I love running in the heat. The heat doesn't bother me, but this particular weather didn't bother me because it was dry. Now, cold and rainy, that bothers me, I think. But cold, cool and dry is good. I think um, Mohican was the perfect running weather. Uh, canal, I had a little bit of a heat bonk at the end of the day. Could have been for not eating for 13 hours. <laughs> I'm so bad at people. But um, so it, I don't know. I, I'm not afraid of heat. I'm mm -hmm. not afraid of cold. So I'll do either, but I'd never go into Antarctica ever. Don't ask me to do that. Or Alaska. Who, who are these people that go to Canada and run fat dogs? Those are not my people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't do it though. I wouldn't go somewhere very north. No, I'm hmm. just not made for that. But um, I'm looking more at Keys and Badwater and that kind. Badwater. I'm with you. I'm with you on the warm weather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree as well. Um. So of all the things that you did that were new at this race that, you know, you're not supposed to try on a new race day, what would be maybe one of the, one of the ones you're going to use again? Like um, taking lots of Tylenol. <laughs> no, I, I, I avoid ibuprofen anyway in my life, but I took it twice at the end of the race and it probably saved my legs. Um, and then also wearing the new shoes, they felt so great and fresh all day and comfy and cushy. Um, I didn't want to ever take them off. I never had the desire to change my shoes until mile 93. So that was a good choice. And then I ate a ton of food. And that was a big risk for me because I usually don't eat during races very mm -hmm. much at all. I just do a few blocks or something. And I ate food, food, food all day. And I didn't know if I was going to start throwing up or anything. I didn't know what would happen, but it all worked out. So I think I'm going to do that from now on. <laughs> eat a lot. <laughs> so. so 
so kind of jumping back a little bit, uh, you kind of talked about how you looked up everyone's ultra sign up and whatnot. Now, I could have honestly used your help because I had to do the same thing for the prediction <laughs> video. And clearly, I am really bad at these because I left you outside of the top five at Canal earlier. Hey, you year. totally dissed me at Canal. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? He dissed me. He didn't even know I exist. That was really rough, and I—I I, that was probably just my my bad there. But then I had you at second and Mo this year. I also missed that uh, that result there. So kind of does that like feel you at all, or like what is kind of like those things like when you see this some random guy dropping a prediction video on the race that you're going into? You're just like, yeah, I cannot wait to prove him wrong. <laughs> well, no, I you know I will say I had a little chip on my shoulder from Canal because. Um, I feel like I could have won that race, except for I had a ginormous bonk at mile 70 that set me back by about an hour. Um, I passed, I almost passed out. I laid down on the side of the trail. I was laying there like I can't get up. And my husband, I texted him, told him what was going on. And of course, with you weren't allowed to help your runner unless you were at the aid station. So I had about a two mile trek. So I finally forced peeled myself up off the ground, made it to the aid station, but I, it ended up setting me back quite a long time. And once I came out of that bonk, then I ran great the rest of the race. But I feel like, you know, you always go back and say, if I had done this, or if I had done this, I would have had this time or that time. I mean, I think I could have had a faster time. So I kind of went into Mohican with that, with the goal of just not letting that happen. Like, I don't want something stupid to happen because I'm an idiot and I don't fuel enough or I do and I don't drink enough or I just didn't want to make dumb mistakes. So um, that was I wanted my redemption for being dumb. At and, and the craziest part about, I guess, all of this is you still ran a very impressive canal race. I mean, you ran 18.59 there for second place. You only were second place to Tracy Falbo by 15 minutes. And you, know, you said you had an hour bonk there. So uh, She's we, a boss, by the way. She's amazing. We had her on, I, I'm going to say Ridge Runners Live 24. I have no idea if that's kind of just the guess I'm going <laughs> oh. off of right now. But we had her and Arlen on to talk about uh, their race. Oh, wow. If anyone's interested in going to check that out, uh, feel free to yeah. check that out as well. But uh, kind of cool to kind of compare the two stories from the, the race that you guys had there. But um, I guess, like, what is the one thing from Canal that, I mean, you kind of talked about the bonking and whatnot, but did you just, like, you not to totally collapse at Mohican but kind of like how did you go into it and just be like okay I just need to focus on going out there really just from 80 on really just finish strong like did you even focus on the first 80 miles or was it just all in the last 20 for you you mean for Mohican or Canal for, for Mohican <clears throat> for Mohican no I did focus um I was really focused on getting to that halfway point like getting to the 50 mile point and I felt I felt like the first 50 miles were actually a little longer or maybe harder than the second 50 because I feel like once you get to the halfway point the rest goes kind of fast um, and then of course once I had my friend with me that just boosted my morale a lot and I had her there to just keep me company and it went faster so but I do think that um, it never really felt like a race. I mean, I hate to say that. It just felt like a really long run because I didn't feel like there was anyone close to me. And it could just be because of the staggered start, the way that we had to start and everything. Um, but I felt like we were just running alone most of the time. So I think had I had another female competitor right there, you know, it would have felt different at mile 80. It would have felt like, okay, we really got to go, you know? Uh, so I look forward to experiencing that. Sometimes. I think maybe after COVID is over and all that <laughs> might have more of that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think that'll be awesome for you to kind of go out yeah. there and uh, you hopefully just take someone's soul again. Like you did that one guy. On that hill. I just <laughs> and I hate to say that, but Sally and I, we were just so slap happy by that point. And it was a guy and you know, we just were like, let's show them how girls run and all this. And I mean, we were just being goofy. So we were just having fun. But it 
to be able to have fun at mile 98 and ultra is pretty amazing. So to be able to still be laughing at all, <laughs> but I still say the longest miles were from a hundred to 102. I'm like, where is the finish? <laughs> People. <laughs> so, yeah, just any extra mileage on top of a hundred. You just, just not about it. And I, I am, I'm with you. I always kind of feel like anything kind of on the bonus side, unless I know going into it exactly like what it is, then I kind of set my mind on it. But if I think it's exactly a hundred and it's 104, I'm screaming at everyone for the next hour. Cause it's, it's a long time for a lot of people, especially if you're kind of in the middle of the pack or even at the back of the pack, that could be an hour to an hour and a half. Um, and a lot of people maybe don't realize that in their right. races. So it kind can of think be that's a long time. I always kind of like that transparency going into races and whatnot, um, which I'm, I'm not sure if Mohi can have or whatnot. Well, and I had never too. run, I had never run that long before because I've only done one other hundred and it only took 1859. So I had never run almost 24 hours before. That was my first time, but I'm really glad I had that experience because I really want to do a 24 hour event. And now I know I can last. So that it was every race is training for the next race, you know, so it's kind of neat if you look at it that way. I think that's just an awesome mentality to have, especially because I know you have some monster goals, obviously still on the uh, lined up for next year and kind of when stuff kind of gets resumed to what normal life was. Um, I kind of want to talk about, say, what a 24-hour event. Obviously, you had that experience of running 72 miles at a 12-hour event. How far do you think you could go? How fast do you think you go at like a 24-hour timed event versus, say, a canal race? Well, I can tell you how fast I want to go. I want to do at least 130 miles but so i want to find one that's on a really flat track you know like even a high school track just lots of little circles and just go 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 i would love to be able to hit that 130 mark or more you know i mean that's dreaming but I never thought I'd be winning a hundred miler, so I might as well say, hey, hey, I mean, why limit myself, you know, <laughs> at this point? Definitely, definitely. Do you I have might any, as well try. Do you have any specific races that you think this could happen at or uh, just kind of like big high in the sky goals for now? Well, I kind of looked at across the years, but then they canceled. And so I don't know yet. It's kind of in the back of my list of things I want to do right now because I really have some other goals that are I want to do first uh, so but I don't know I, I haven't done enough research into those events to know which one would be a good one if I could find one where it was dry and about 45 degrees and flat and or you know like a nice rubbery surface then that would be the well, if you're a race director that puts on one of those races, make sure you reach out to Melissa so you can uh, make sure you get here. <laughs> yes, reach out she, to me. So she I can go uh, your crush your event and do absolutely awesome. Uh, I kind of want to know a little bit about your future goals. You kind of hinted at it a little bit, but obviously after a he can win, it's kind of, I'm assuming there's a lot of time to kind of step back and evaluate, okay, what do you want to do next? Kind of what does the next uh, couple months look or maybe even in the next year, like for you uh, goal-wise? Well, um, it's kind of depends on what happens with COVID and the races. So if things are able to resume, I would like to shoot for a, a spring marathon and I really want to go sub three. So if I'm able to do a marathon in the spring, I wouldn't do anything else between now and then. I would save myself completely for that because I really feel like trying to run a marathon at a fast pace like that, you really can't be running ultras in the meantime while you're training for something like that. You really have to save yourself for it. So my thoughts right now, I don't plan to run any more races this year. I plan to just run, enjoy it, get strong and fit, you know, um, and then start really ramping up my training again in January. Or hopefully a marathon but if not then I want there's a few hundreds I have on my radar 
that I'm kind of looking at too. I'm registered for the strolling gym, uh, 40 miler in May, but I kind of registered for that on a whim and then they canceled it and deferred me to next year. So it's not like my A race. I'm just, it's something that's on my calendar and I have another marathon on my calendar for July of next year, but I really would like to run one in the early spring, like April or, or if the flying pig could happen, then early May. That's what I really, really want to do. I feel like, I, I feel like once I get that out of my, my system, I really just feel like I need to get that out of my system. And once I do, I feel like, I'll be able to just run all kinds of races and not care. But I feel like I really have to get that done. That's something I really want to do. I think it's kind of like, that's just like, I feel like it's important because I feel like everyone has their different running goals and kind of what inspires them on the day to day and in the training. And they kind of view this one overarching thing that you want to get done. I think it's super important to kind of go out and focus all your energy towards say a marathon, even though you're winning hundred milers or whatnot, you can always come back to the hundred mile scene and the ultra scene after you obviously go out and crush the marathon. So I think that's actually pretty inspiring to kind of know what you want and kind of just how you're going to go chase down that goal. Oh, thank you. But kind of, uh, kind of going off of that. So you've had a monster year of training. So you, like you said, you've had 4,300 miles of running this year, looking at kind of the marathon goal for next year. How does that compare mileage wise? Do you think you're still going to do that amount of mileage or do you think you'll kind of tone it back, do a little more speed work or kind of what is your philosophy for kind of training for a marathon specific uh, program? Based on my performance this year, when I was training for the Boston Marathon, I was putting in my training maxed out about 105 miles a week or 120, I think 120 might have been my biggest training week for Boston. So, and it would go anywhere from that 70 range up to low hundreds for that. And then I ended up just running a virtual flying pig. <clears throat> And then ran over a marathon a day in May. But um, so I think if, in January, when I go back to that kind of training, I don't really want to run more than 100, 120 a week. Um, just because I feel like with marathon training, there's this from 70 to 100 seems to be that sweet perfect range of mileage i think if you put too much miles it slows your pace down if you start because i was putting in like 200 mile week and my pace was just getting slower and slower <laughs> you know so i feel like there's this sweet spot that you need to stay in where you're going to be efficient and fast but yet get the mileage you know to get you strong and build that base up so i still definitely want to do high mileage I don't think I want to do 4,300 miles. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That you, you. Just, I mean, it. Yeah, I wasn't training for anything. I was just running, running. Which is the, the joy about it, right? A lot of times we need that goal to run for something, yeah. but to just go out and run that many miles just because is really nice. Well, and then I just got so tired of training really hard and doing all these intervals and doing all these tempo runs, and then my marathon. So it was just getting so frustrating. And so it was kind of nice to run in that 800 mile month. I was doing that for the great virtual race across Tennessee. I don't know if you heard of that. Um, I, I ran across Tennessee three times in the course of that race, but I was doing it for that. And I didn't give any thought to my pace really that entire month. I just ran and that was kind of nice, but I really prefer running fast and I, I kind of prefer running without looking down. So I kind of prefer running on roads right now, but I definitely see more trail running in my future for sure. I definitely want to keep doing Now for that 800 mile month, did you just eat everything in sight? Cause that's a lot of I calories to so. burn. I. <laughs> I ate, I ate about two breakfasts every morning and lunch and dinner. And uh, I don't, I probably just ate all the time. 
I was always hungry. I know that. So <laughs> I was always. Were those double days like for, I would assume. They oh had yeah. Okay. I run doubles anyway. Even when I'm training for a marathon, I run doubles twice a week. So I do doubles usually on Mondays and Fridays. And then um, on my easy days, like I'll do an easy 10 in the morning and then another five or four in the evening. So I've, I'm used to doubles, but yeah, in, the, in May I was doing doubles and triples. So I was doing, cause I even took several rest days in May. And still got 800 miles. And even with like four or five days off completely. So I was, there were some days I ran 40 miles and some days I ran a marathon. I always tried to get at least a marathon. And um, sometimes I would do the whole marathon at once. Sometimes I would start with 20 in the morning and then go out and do 10 again later that night. Or I would do 10, 10, 10. It was hard to do this three times a day because it felt like all you did was run and I never took my running clothes off. Like I would go run, come home, put on like different running clothes, and then just go. I was always like in that state of being ready to go for the run, you know, in that whole month. And I always looked tired. Every picture of me, I look disgusting. I look so dead. I just look exhausted. So we went on vacation during that time. I don't remember the vacation because I ran the whole vacation. And <laughs> it was crazy. But it was also fun. That's that's just incredible. I don't even have any, I don't even know how to like to put that into perspective for myself. I it's don't like, think, well, if it weren't for COVID and the quarantine and life being, and my husband didn't work for about four months. So he was around to, you know, make sure the kids didn't die or whatever. So um, I knew that they had supervision so I could just go out and get all these runs done. And, uh, but yeah, it, the circumstances were set up perfectly for that to happen. And I don't know if I would ever have that opportunity again. So I just have to do it. Hmm. It's wild. You just have to do things when they fall in your lap. You can't not do something out of fear and you just have to take chances and take risks and you know i took a risk doing mohican i thought i'm gonna go out there my it is gonna go out my stomach's gonna give out because i've been having these weird stomach issues and i just thought you know i'm not gonna be afraid i'm gonna face my fear and it's gonna make me stronger so i just think if you get the opportunity to do things and take risks and overcome fears that you have you should do it because I was really afraid too to run through the night. I had never done that before. And that's exactly why I went ahead and did it because I needed to face that and overcome it. And so now I'm not afraid anymore. So it's just kind of cool. I feel like ultra running. One thing about it is it's made me much more confident and a lot less fearful of everything. Of just being who I am and of, Weird thing, some motivational words right there. I think, I mean, it does. It's it's very. It makes you a much stronger person. Mm-hmm. The um the overnight part. Did you end up enjoying that, or do you would you not prefer? Yeah. It's it. I, th- I like it. Yeah, I think it's very um like a almost blissful kind of thing because it's you can't really see very far. You're focused very intently mm-hmm. in like a small area. Um, but. It's a lot easier, especially like when there's a race going on, because you know there's other people around, versus yeah. doing it like by yourself. But um, on the course, though, we have a couple shorter questions that I wanted to ask for you. What was your favorite snack or meal on the trail? <laughs> so, I was so worried about getting enough potassium and getting enough carbs without hurting my stomach. So I. I made up this recipe of, I took potatoes, cooked them and mashed them up with no butter or anything, just mashed up potatoes with tons of salt and tons of dill relish and put that inside of a tortilla and made like a burrito out of it. And then I even made my own tortillas out of potatoes. So it was like a total like portable mashed potatoes that you could hold in your hand and grab and go. And I bought this little lunchbox that you plug into your car. So 
I would tell my husband, have me a burrito ready in three hours or whatever, like when I was going to see him next. So I ate about three of those burritos throughout the day. And it was just like the perfect thing for sodium, potassium. So that was my favorite thing probably. And then I had some ramen noodle soup and a rice ball at mile 93. That was really good. And uh, the aid stations had great things. I drank a lot of I drank Coke, which I never do. I never drink Coke, and I've never drank Coke during a race. And I drink a Coke at every aid station. Yeah, it's and really I good. It. I loved it. I'm like, see, I tried something new, new, and now I will always drink a Coke at an ultra. <laughs> what was your um, favorite moment of trail magic? Um, trail magic. So <clears throat> I do think it was beautiful how we had the full moon so there were some points where you would go out you would be in the woods on the trail but then it would open up into this grassy type of clearing and it was grass trails and it was just open sky above you and that was probably my favorite part of the trail because it was just full moon above you and you could just see everything you could see what the landscape would look like if it were daytime but i uh, that was probably my favorite part, just the full Definitely a special thing about this year that just, I mean, there's so many things, aspects about this year at Mohican 100 that just maybe will never be replicated again with the, maybe the full moon or the road, half road, half trail or the October day that you guys had, which was perfect weather and whatnot. So a couple of awesome yeah. aspects there. Uh, we just want to take a quick break here and we want to give Melissa a chance to catch her breath. But while we do that, we want to mention that if you haven't hit the subscribe button on YouTube, uh, what are you guys doing? Take three seconds, hit the subscribe <laughs> button for us. Uh, it really help us out a little bit. So Melissa, we, I don't know if you know this, but we do have a Spotify playlist. It's called Tunes of the Nation. And oh, we always cool. ask people uh, if, they, if Ultra Running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would your walk-up song you. be? And your answer is going to be added to that Spotify playlist. So no pressure. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, oh, you can... that is so cool. I feel so honored. Um, well, it's hard to choose, but I will have to tell you the story behind it before I tell you. So when I was running my first flying pig marathon, I really struggled at the end and got really sick and had to go to the medical tent. I finished, but... So my second one, I trained, I wanted to train well, and I wanted to finish well. And so I, I was meticulous on my playlist. I made this playlist and I knew what time I wanted to finish. It. And I made my playlist that exact amount of time. And so <laughs> I'm so, I'm kind of a weird person. So anyway, I'm, I'm on my playlist. And sure enough, I turned the corner from Pete Roseway onto the straightaway where you're headed to the Roebling Bridge about to finish in this song. And <laughs> the last song on my playlist. And it just pumped me up so much to hear that come on. And I, and I had a very strong finish and felt so great. And so that song was the Battle of Yorktown from Hamilton. And if I listen to that song, it pumps me up anyway, because it's just such a motivational story. I don't know if you're familiar with the musical, but I love that. It's my favorite musical. I'm, and I'm a music person. So I love musicals and they speak to my heart. And that song was the last song on my playlist. And I it was playing as I finished my flying marathon. And it's been on my playlist ever since. So that's my one. <laughs> well, now it's going to be on our playlist as well. <laughs> Lucky you! <laughs> so it's it's a very wide variety of music on this playlist from all the guests that we've had. Oh, yeah. It's, it's awesome. So putting it on shuffle is kind of interesting because you're like, what? We just went from what genre to what genre? <laughs> but, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, if you could run with one person in history, even if they aren't a runner um, or alive anymore, and they say they could keep up with you at your pace, wherever you wanted to do, who would you run with? I would run with Anne Tracy. That's an easy answer. It's <laughs> a good choice. I just think she's my she's my running idol, which I know it didn't have to be a running person. I mean, I run with Jesus every day. He's always with me. But um, I, she's like 
who I would like to see as a runner. So I would love to run with her and just get all of her tips and tricks, tips and tricks, and see her attitude and how she approaches things. What's What's the one thing you kind of like? This uh, just like about her that kind of just is like, wow, I want to steal that aspect or well, like just want to add that to my life. She didn't care what other people were doing. She wasn't on Strava. She didn't. She just ran because she wanted to run, and she just did her own thing her own way. And she won just naturally as a result of that. And of course, she was competitive and wanted to win. But I just love the fact that she was a natural runner. Um, she wasn't motivated externally. It was more intrinsic motivation. You know, so many people now, they if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. Or, you know, we got to show everybody what we're doing. And I keep my Strava private. And I don't even look at Strava. I mean, it's on there, but I rarely look at it. And uh, so I, I have a lot of respect for the old school ultra runners before they have the fancy watches and all the fancy. Well, and you realize you don't need all the fancy equipment and all the fancy stuff that we have nowadays. Like I went to Leadville in September and <laughs> part of the reason why I ran, I wanted to run up Hope Pass. Um, which is part of the Leadville 100 because I wanted to run the same path that Ann Tracy ran and just maybe feel what she felt during that race and so I I intentionally didn't take anything I didn't take anything fancy at all I had a bottle of water in my hand it wasn't even a handheld it was like a Kroger brand bottle of water and I ran up Hope Pass <laughs> and, and got to the top and I was just like, see, you don't need all that stuff. And you can just run and just be a natural runner. And it was a very, it was just an awesome, breathtaking moment for me to be up there. And, and I don't know, when I get up there, I feel like I get closer to God because I, I look around and I see all the beauty in our world. And I just think, yes, there is a God here, you know. And then I think about, I imagine all the runners who have, run that same path across the mountain and back down the other side and it was it was just really but they didn't have all the things that we have now <laughs> and they did it and they did it well so anyway I would like to learn what it would be like to be that kind of a runner that's interesting um your dream race I, you're like that's interesting <laughs> Well, I mean, it is. And when you think about it, like running without stuff, like some of the best runs I've ever had, like have been when I forgot my phone or it died. And I, right. it was just no music, no books, no audiobooks, just your, your breath and your steps, like crunching in the leaves or in snow or whatever it was. And so there's like a, yeah. there's a level of, of being in tune with that kind of stuff that, that's nice. And there's also the level of like where somebody who is like into mathematics, like myself, that I enjoy the numbers mm -hmm. and the analysis of stuff mm -hmm. too. So. So I definitely I can see it. Count when I run uphill. I skip count when I run uphill. You might appreciate that as a map. Yeah. Oh wait, break that down for me. How does that work exactly? Like just like counting the steps on the going. I count by sevens, I'll count by eights, I'll just count by all different numbers. And then <laughs> I've even I've run to a metronome many times to set my cadence. So I appreciate that. Wait, wait, wait. So, like, you start by like 7, 14, 21, 28, or do you that's the one, two, three, four? Yes. Yeah, so, no, sevens? I count by seven. Whoa, my. When I'm running up hills. I don't know why I do it. It just always happens when I'm running up hills. I start skip counting, and it might be sevens, it might be threes. Leslie's <laughs> head's going to explode. <laughs> Just, just one second. I someone passed me at a race, and they were like, I'm 63. I don't do it out loud. It's in, it's well, in yes. my head. It's in my head. I would just lose my I, My soul would be actually gone. You you would actually just take it, and yeah, it, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. We, we never had that happen on the show, so I'm just super curious. Well, that's because I homeschool my kids, and I we skip them all the time. And so I always have that stuff stuck in my head. So it comes out when I'm running for something. So. <laughs> that's awesome it's a good way to memorize it even better 
like practice it yeah. <laughs> while you're running. Yeah, because you're doing the kinesthetic learning thing. Mm-hmm. Um, your dream race. I know I think you've talked about this a couple times in a couple different scenarios. Um, what would be your dream race that you would want to go accomplish? Well, I think it would be really cool to achieve my marathon goal at the Flying Pig just because I'm very sentimental about my hometown. I love Cincinnati and I love Ohio. And so I just feel so privileged that I got to run Ohio's ultra and win it. And it just feels like such a wonderful honor to me as someone who loves being an Ohioan. And I would love to be able to do that with our city's marathon. That's <laughs> probably a little beyond my grasp, but I could at least achieve a PR there. So that's kind of my dream, even above. I mean, I was supposed to run Boston this year in New York City, and I do want to run those races, but they don't hold. I haven't done them yet, so I don't have that attachment to them like I do. So, and then as far as ultras, I have, it's hard to say because they're all so different. I would, for trail ultra, I would love to run Leadville 100. I went to Colorado and fell in love with that place. I absolutely love Leadville. And I would also like to run Badwater. So I love California and I love running on the road and I love Death Valley. So, um, it's just hard to pick one because they're all so different. But those are just ones that I've thought about that I actually plan to pursue. Hey, I'll have to like try to connect with Harvey on his advice for Badwater. Yeah. He, he has yeah. got a lot of skill down there oh my goodness. with his FKT. I can't imagine. That's an undertaking for sure. Yeah, I can't. I mean, all the stuff you've read about and especially like like I think Dean's books talk about it, um, and like just the heat and mm-hmm. and having to like do the coffin-sized ice baths and <laughs> wearing all white, running on the white lane, <laughs> yeah. like part of the road because your shoes start to melt. Like that just blows my mind that that's a thing. So, oh. hey, but the air's dry, right? <laughs> it is Can't dry. <laughs> um, it's got another question from Josh Sermon. He said. Um, oh. Oh, that's my husband. I was figuring that that was going to be him. Um, and he says, what are the most important things you need from your crew during ultras? Oh, my goodness. Burritos when I say I want them in Laura bars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was a no, moment when burritos you know weren't there. What? When you get to your crew station and you're looking forward to having this certain thing and you really need it and then they don't have it, you do just want to cry. Like, that happened to me. There was something, I think I wanted, I don't remember what it was, something like a lower bar. I, I needed something to eat. And um, he was gonna give me like candles or like candy. He's like, here, but do you want some candy? And I'm like, no. And so I remember I wanted to cry after that. I took off and I'm, I almost cried. And But that's because you just feel so wore out anyway during culture. But yes, your crew, they just need to be able to predict what you will need without you telling them. So they need to know, okay, she's going to need trail toes and fresh salt. Or, you know, I don't know. I think he does a pretty good job of crewing me. I mean, he obviously did a great job this past weekend, or I wouldn't have had the outcome that I did. So he was really great. Impatient, because I, I can be. I'm pretty intense when I'm in the middle of a race. So he, he does pretty good, helping me out and always having what I need. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine anyone would be um, pretty, you know, tense when they're in first place. You know, like, I just want to keep it, <laughs> keep running. Well, I it was. I'm just always that way. It doesn't matter so much what place I'm in. I just. I take it very seriously. I don't, okay, so can I, I don't want to offend anybody when I say this because I just don't want to be out there that long, okay? <laughs> now, I don't understand people that 
hang out at the aid station. I'm sorry. That's making you have to be out there even longer. <laughs> like, do you not understand? Like, if you don't get going now, you're going to be out there even longer. And so my thought is always grab and go, like, because you don't want to be out there longer than you have to. Right? Do you enjoy running longer than you have to run? That's a I mean, debatable I, question. I mean, if you enjoy running, then sure. Finite, no, but 100 miles, though. No. It's a finite distance. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's a finite distance, and your goal is to get there as fast as you can. Right? So, why are you at the aid station for 30 minutes just sitting there by the fire? I don't know. Well, even like... That's say just... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm all, I'm all with you. Even like it's say ten minutes per aid station. Say there's ten aid stations yeah. that race. That's a hundred and forty minutes, I believe. And so like that's or a hundred minutes, and like that's almost right. an hour, it's over an hour and a half time spent. So if you were gonna go sub twenty four, then you're already at twenty five forty and whatnot. So it it the clock does add up. Um, it really adds point. up. Easy. So, so, uh, to be fair to Josh, though, I do want to give him a little respect because he did try to give you candy on Halloween. I feel like that's a pretty. Uh, oh, he was <laughs> he was very he was very good to me and very patient with me, and um, I really do appreciate. I couldn't have done the race without him. There, I I couldn't have done it on my own. So, I was very thankful. For that. <laughs> definitely, definitely, very do. thankful. One final question here in the chat, and it's from Sally, and you kind of alluded to this, so I think I know your answer. But she said, "What about the Barkley Marathons? You could be the first female to finish." What, Sally? You're crazy. <laughs> there is nothing about Barkley that I'm attracted to at all. Um, I don't navigate well, so I would not make it one way. I'm not even going to pretend like. I material now back big backyard maybe because that's just a loop you won't get lost right <laughs> but Barkley you have to navigate and um, climb through thorns and that just doesn't sound very much. but <laughs> Sally you're hilarious <laughs> oh god yeah um, so for our listeners here before we close out um, that want to follow you can they find you on social media anywhere to give you a follow? Oh, man. I'm on Facebook, um, and I'm on Instagram, just under my name, Melissa Sermon. So, yeah, uh, you can follow me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, we want to um, say thanks, everyone, for joining us this evening. Um, we'll put all those links in the description below for everyone to go follow. It's easy to find. Um, thank you all so much for tuning into this Ridge Runners Live episode. My name is John Dolovecki. The other host this evening was Wesley Harton. Um, our guest, obviously, was the 2020 Mohicans 100 Women's Champion, future pi- flying pig winner, uh, <laughs> pot- potential future Ohio's Ultra Runner of the Year, <laughs> Melissa Sermon. So thanks for joining us this evening. Thank you. I really appreciate it. If you are all running, if anyone's running the inaugural Rim to River 100 this weekend, we will see you there. Come say hi to us. Um, we can't wait to meet all of you down in West Virginia. Um, we will see you all next week. And goodbye, everybody. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation.